Welcome back to the Travelling Music Therapist podcast. My name is Yuki. This is episode 10. Um, So if you listened to the last one, I was talking to Dr. Grace Thompson at the Australian Music Therapy Association Conference in Melbourne. Um, In this one, I'm still at conference, um, but I'm at the PDS and I chat to a couple of RMTs. We've got a bit of a group, which is exciting because it's not often that we get a group of RMTs together to uh, be able to chat and catch up. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the Travelling Music Therapist. Um, I'm Yuki, but I've got a few guests with me today. I'm so excited. Um, in order, do you want to just introduce yourself? Mm. Hello, I'm Miranda. Hi, I'm Dan. I'm Ollie. Um, and everyone else is... Oh, no, so Dan and Miranda, you guys are from Melbourne. Ollie's here from Sydney. And uh, Ollie, you're also um, a lecturer at the course. Actually. Uh, um, were you? I'm a casual. Oh, okay, yeah. I'm actually this semester this year I've been teaching on the music degrees, Bachelor of Music. But last oh. year I was on the music degrees. So right, okay, but the, you're still at the uni. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm researching there as well as a student, so cool. they put me where they want me. So. Yeah, oh awesome, awesome. Um and do you guys want to share where where you guys work as well at the moment? Just briefly. Oh, we're in our lunch break by the way, so if you hear any like clatter, that's just us eating. <laughs> we'll try and keep it minimal though. Uh, yeah. yeah, so uh, I work in um, in adult cancer care at the Austin Hospital, and I also work in cool. special ed. And I'm in an adult mental health hospital in the inner east of Melbourne, and um, an aged care facility out in the inner west of mm-hmm. Melbourne. Cool. And so today we are at conference at the moment in Melbourne. Um, how's your day been, guys? What have you been listening to today? <laughs> I, I found it quite refreshing. Mm-hmm. It's really nice to get together um, with people in your field and from such a wide variety of health fields and experiences. Yeah. And um, it's, it's just nice to have those conversations about our practice and um, get some ideas and strategies yeah. to adapt to my clinical work. Yeah, and actually have discussions without having to describe what music therapy is first. Because <laughs> everyone has that understanding. Mostly I've enjoyed sort of <clears throat> gaining new perspectives and uh, being able to share and also challenging my own perspectives. Uh, you know, taking on new ideas and things, those, those things you can't do day-to-day when you're sort of in your routines. Yeah. Uh, we just had a great workshop with Randy Rothschild, who's from Norway, about uh, resource-oriented music therapy, which is it's been a really cool way to challenge um, some of the more traditional notions of therapy and the expert model and more of a collaborative model. Yeah, we're just welcoming Alison. Hello. Hello. (laughs) Uh, And Ollie, how's your morning been at the PDS? So I've been in a a discussion forum looking at uh, student supervision, which is quite interesting. So I've had students from three different universities over the last 10 years, so it's interesting to see the experiences of different people from different settings in different states and the same, same challenges that we meet and also some unique uh, solutions, I guess, that people have developed in their own, their own workplace. Yeah. And Al, what have you been up to this morning? 
Um, I've, I went to one of the um, Brown v. Rollsford yeah. quote workshops as well. Did we all go to that? Oh, no, I didn't make it, okay, yeah. yeah. I was in the <laughs> um, Yeah, so I went to that and also um, then, then a workshop on growing your private practice, which, which I'm sort of mm. starting or wanting to start yep. soon, so that was helpful. Yeah. Um, so I think um, all of us, yeah, we've done a bit of private practice work, haven't we? Yeah. Oh, we have, yeah. Are you working in private practice currently? I am. I had been previously. Yeah. And then I was working in the public sector for quite a while. That's right, yeah. And then I've since moved out of there and just coming back into my own private practice mm -hmm. uh, gradually again. Yeah, I think um, because I'm from WA and because we are limited with employment opportunities, we have all sort of taken that private practice road. <laughs> and so what I, bit, what I was surprised was, was um, they released the census a couple of days ago at the AGM here um, in Melbourne. And only 10% of RFTs actually work in private practice. And that was quite surprising because everyone in WA does private practice pretty much. Um, yeah, so that was kind of interesting. Um, and a lot of people have uh, that I've met this time in Melbourne have just said to me, oh, private practice, is that difficult? Like, I guess being an employee just makes it so easy with just things like the admin side of things because there are people that you can pass that on to. Yeah, well... And, yeah, I've had, definitely had to learn a lot. <laughs> you do, yeah. I actually learned a lot on the job when I opened a private practice. Mm -hmm. And I had been teaching instrumentally for quite some time, working for myself. Mm. But I hadn't really taken on... It was always quite ad hoc. So suddenly I had fairly large contracts with organisations that I was having to negotiate and, and also... Um, mould as, as they progressed and we had to tweak things and that kind of thing. So I did learn yeah. a lot. But working in the public sector, I was immersed in this enormous machine. Mm -hmm. like our department alone had 15,000 staff. Mm -hmm. So to navigate my way through that, and I actually had a little bit of management for a few years in there, and so I had to actually take on a lot of those more overarching type roles. Mm -hmm. So coming back into private practice now, I guess that's given me more of an overview of um, where I need to put my efforts, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And how that sort of functions. I guess there's a sort of tension slash eventual resolution between this uh, private practice where you sort of can control your time to a degree and you can control your goals, but you're feeling quite isolated, contrasting when you're working as an employee, when maybe you can't control the overarching sort of goals and directions, but you're very interlinked and with the positives and negatives of both of those things. You know, collaboration mm. is, is a wonderful thing, but then sometimes working with difficult people can be hard. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and look, I was a sole practitioner. There was another music therapist, but she was on a different site. Mm -hmm. And so I was part of a large allied health team. So we had psychs, we had physios, we had mm. exercise physiologists, we had speech pathologists, OTs, social workers, dietitians. That sounds like a dream. <laughs> it was, except each discipline had an enormously dense silo and so it was actually quite challenging. When I got the job I thought this is amazing but it took a lot of work to actually forge those connections between mm. and perhaps because those disciplines are so established and so well um, populated they tend to look inwardly whereas cause maybe it's a music therapy thing where usually it's only one or two of us but then we have, we've been talking to people today from Brisbane who work in a team of six RMTs and, and here's quite a few teams that size in Melbourne. Yeah. You know, in some of the larger hospital settings. 
But yeah, in Sydney we don't generally have that <laughs> density. There's a lot of us, but we're dispersed. Yeah. But there's ways you can develop those networks at the time too. Mm -hmm. So sort of de facto networks, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to talk about how, um, you know, it's so great being in a room full of music therapists where everyone knows what music therapy is, but I wanted to ask you guys, what's the weirdest situation you've been in when when you've told someone, I'm a music therapist, and they're like, oh, does that mean that blah, 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 blah. Because I'm sure we've had a few weird responses. <laughs> My favorite yeah. happened very early when I was studying, and I was hiking with some friends, and I said, oh, what do we do? What do you do? Oh, I'm an engineer. I I run my own business. I said, oh, I'm a music therapist. I said, what? I'm a music therapist. Then someone comments, is that where you like play music to tomatoes to help them grow? <laughs> and I just, I had no response at the time. Where did you even get that from? Is that an actual thing? <laughs> I guess the idea was that music therapy is a, an amalgamation of all these other weird hippie things that people do. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> and actually has no application in the real world. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was talking to Catherine a few weeks back, Catherine Wilmot from WA, and she actually met someone who was like, oh, do you provide therapy for instruments? Like, <laughs> that really makes zero sense. It makes even more, like, less sense than your tomato one, because at least, yeah. like, tomato is a... Living plant. <laughs> hey, my tube is a living thing, man. No. Okay. I'm sorry. Sorry. <laughs> I think probably my weirdest experience is um, people assuming, um, I guess, a, a similar idea about music therapy as they would for other allied health professions. So, a, a physical therapist helps you with your physical health, a speech therapist yeah. helps you with your speech health. So, they kind of assumed that. A music therapist would help you with your musical health. Mm. Um, we were talking about that, the, the difficulty between the actual profession name, as we have that at the moment, mm. and how people might perceive us because of that, that music therapy. Because I think people would tend to hear that and then come with their own sort of assumptions and own thoughts about what it is. Mm. But hopefully, with all this PR campaign stuff, and you know, as we're growing as a profession, more people would know what it actually is. I would like to see music therapy become like a you know standard thing that everyone knows about. <laughs> it would be cool, wouldn't it? Mm. I um when I started working in that government place, I got a referral and I thought it was a meeting request to meet with one of the unit managers. So I went in and I had a little um like a little not like a like a pitch but like a little this is what I sort of do sort of thing prepared. Like printed out, you know, one slide per page. But she had all of her residents lined up around the edge of the room, mm -hmm. and the TV was on, and she had the ABBA DVD, Karaoke DVD, ready to go. Okay, you're here. You can start. Here's here's a DVD. It's like, well, sorry, I'm not a DJ. Um, oh, okay. Do you know how to put this on? So I just asked her. Put it straight back to her. Do you know how to put this on? Okay. Does your staff know how to put it on? Okay. Get one of your staff to put it on, and we'll go to your office. We'll discuss <laughs> what I'm here for. <laughs> she goes, oh, okay. So she just called you to facilitate. Well, it was actually arranged by one of the psychologists that looked after that unit, oh, okay. and so it created an opportunity for me to inhale, <laughs> and, and then 
it was the first time that I'd really started to engage. I'd only been there about a week or so. Yeah. To really engage with a very established system. It had been there since the mid 19th century, this institution, so mm -hmm. very established. And just to give them an idea of what I was. And, <laughs> so then I actually, I launched into a bit of a roadshow going on all the different teams. Yeah. And sort of, what oh, yeah. is MT? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, this, and then I, the first couple didn't go that well. Mm -hmm. So then I thought, I have to pitch it to the people they work with. So there's quite a wide variety of people with different mm -hmm. kinds of disabilities. You mean like you didn't have enough people going or like well, or just I just didn't. Gel? Um, just people didn't have an understanding of what I was doing. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. And so there were the, the karaoke thing or I didn't get tomatoes, but I, I can't think of any particular ones, but that's a great one. <laughs> um, so basically what I did is I set up with, I spent time in with all the different groups and I got to know the types of uh, people that they were working with. And so I developed little small like mini presentations on what I can do with people who fit this type of profile. And that's where it started to, to hit home. Mm. And so they actually saw where I could actually make a difference in their own workplace. And so that was that's where it started to work. But then yeah, it took a another sort of couple of years to actually get that running smoothly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And ongoing education to the people you work around in a workplace is like just, yeah. just keep going with it. And some of these video things that you you've made and now seen at the conference and explaining I think is really good at uh, like I think in-service pre presentations are really important. I know like mm. a, a lot of us don't really put aside time to do that because you know our time could be spent elsewhere you know yeah, actually yeah. doing yeah. some work well, but it's just as important to educate the staff. I think there are there are multiple ways that I think we can we can get better as you say you practice your education methods and you, you work out what works for your workplace um, and I was I find when I, I work in a cancer hospital and um, was finding I'm um, in these meetings and the doctors and the nurses and the allied health and the OT and the physios are all, all discussing their patients who are very often quite stressed, anxious, depressed, uh, and you know I'm being a bit bit nervous sitting there going well actually that, that's like what I do mm. but can I chime in there in front of the psychologist can I mm. but it's it's a matter of also sort of being confident in it like if that patient has stress that's where you say Actually, maybe I could offer them some music. What mm. do you think, doctor? Yeah. And and but almost using their language, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, you're not not just hey, I could play some music with them. That would be great, you know. <laughs> saying actually, I believe this patient could benefit from mm. some stress-reducing music yeah. Yeah. collaboration, you know. Mm. Yeah, meeting them where they are. Yeah. Exactly. With your exactly. You the same process. With someone who's really yeah. withdrawn. Yeah. You, yeah. And you've got to adjust to the context, and you've yeah. got to speak to the people you're working with. Yeah. And yeah. It's yeah. the same. <laughs> Yeah. When I was a student, I had a placement in this child and adolescent mental health unit, and it was run conjointly with the health department and the education department. And they had these weekly meetings, um, like case review meetings. And there was this particular child who they were just really struggling, and this family was involved. They worked with the families as well. And so, with everyone around, there was like six psychiatrists and four psychologists and three social workers, and. Um, a couple of other various things, neuropsychs and the music therapist and me as a student. Mm -hmm. And they're going through and they don't know what to go. And I said, well, can our first goal just be to make a goal? <laughs> and they all looked at me and I go, oh, God, I understand. <laughs> and they go, yes. 
<laughs> and they put it in. It was yeah. minuted. All right. That's First right. goal is to establish Make a goal. goal. So good. And yeah, so, and that was really great. And from that, they actually invited me to, um, uh, they had these they call mini teams. So each uh, child who was in the program had a mini team of the teacher and the, well, a particular teacher and the, uh, the case manager and a couple mm. other people. So I got invited in into that sort of work with this kid sort of to work around that so it was actually sometimes just stepping out and yeah. you're actually we have just as much right to be mm. at that table mm. but yeah i was lucky i had that very early on yeah, yeah. i think there's maybe we we sometimes carry this this baggage or maybe we're not established enough maybe we don't have enough behind what i'm about to say you know maybe we're a bit nervous about it. i think we just you know, we need to step out. We need to put ourselves into that point of discomfort to yeah. move it forward. Um, yeah. Could I ask all of you, how did you find out about music therapy? That's a question that I've been asking everyone on this podcast because I'm really curious about it because, you know, we want to tell more people about it, but, you know, how did us who are actually doing the profession, how did we get interested? Do we understand? Yeah, yeah. Um, I found out about music therapy through my family. So my aunt happens to be a nun who um, lives and works at an aged care facility um, and they had a music therapist working with their aged care residents and she knew that um, music was a big part of my life and I wanted to try and incorporate it into work but I wasn't a big fan of performing and being in the spotlight. I much preferred working with people and learning about the psychology of how people operate. So. Uh, it was good that she thought that those are the skills that I have and interests and seeing the work with the music therapist there um, led her to um, letting me know about how I can combine my skills. Uh, I was coming to an end of an arts degree and I just had no direction, I had no idea, but I was finding that all my spare time was doing music and I filled out one of these, these career quizzes, okay, they asked questions like, what part of the magazine do you read on the weekend first? What What do you do on the weekend? What do you do with your spare time? And I was finding every answer was music. Yeah. Music, I better do something with this. And uh, began talking with people. You know, music Music is interesting, what can we do? And my mother works in special education and she had a friend where there was a music therapist at the school and this friend said, well, what, has Daniel considered music therapy? And cool. looked into it. I was a bit accidental and random. Finished the last shoot of my B plus, and I thought, crap, that's that done. And I didn't want to be a high school teacher. Yeah. Um, I had a very good experience with high school music. It did not meet my expectations, and so I didn't want to get into that. Uh, so I'd been driving past this building every day for three years, and on the wall it said Golden State Music Therapy Centre, and I just saw music for the rest of the day. <laughs> and so as I was driving home out of out of the campus, because it's right by the gate. I just pulled in. It turns out it's a client parking spot. I don't know. I just pulled in, parked there, and I went into reception and said, Hello, my name's Ollie, and I've just finished a music degree, and you've got music on your wall. What do you guys do with it? <laughs> and yeah. she's like, Music therapy? Oh, yeah, it says that, but what is that? And Was she just like an admin? She was like a reception? receptionist, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, Oh, no, these crazy music guys. So the, they had a brand new course advisor at the time who happened to be in the building and so she said, just one minute please and she rang in and Alan came out spoke to me for 45 minutes and I had no idea what he said. 
It's all on top of my head. But he, he did mention that there was a degree and um, that to apply and in New South Wales we apply through UAC, this University of Mission Centre, we didn't apply, apply straight to the uni. So I just went on the UAC website and ordered a form, you had to order a form in those days, and sent it off and yeah, here I am. Um, so I'm Alison, um, I was living in Adelaide and I was a speech pathologist in um, neurological rehab um, for, seven, for seven years and um, I'd never heard of music therapy until the end of my time there because the cohort of music therapists in Adelaide was very small then and now I think it's grown um, to nine or twelve, nine, yeah. nine um, which is great. Um, but I always, um, so, so predominantly I was doing language rehabilitation with people after a stroke um, and I always wanted a more creative aspect to my work so where I could I would insert my creative skills of art or music into sessions um, and commonly after a, um, a stroke that causes severe language problems people can't speak but um, often, not always, but often they can still sing familiar songs so I would commonly be singing with my clients um, and then I heard about a choir that was that was starting in Adelaide for people with aphasia, a language impairment. Um, and so I was asked to be part of that, that choir and, and then and that was run initially by a, a music therapist um, and supported by a, um, me as speech pathologist and another speech pathologist. But I that was an hour a week and I just loved that hour. Um, I was really energised by that and um, and um, yeah, another speech pathologist said said to me, well, why don't you go and study the Masters of Music Therapy in Melbourne? I thought, that sounds exciting. <laughs> Moved to Melbourne? Oh, wow. Yeah, um, yeah and I just went along to see the music therapist um, that I met through running the choir. Um, I went to see some of his work um, in profound disability, some of his video cases that I just, some of the transformation that I saw on these videos of people that were completely... Um, disengaged and unable to communicate or move and then to see what would sometimes happen even if it was after 20 sessions um, with this music therapist some of the things that I saw on the video I just thought it was magic and thought yeah this sounds scary but I've got to um, have a look at a career change yeah that's awesome though that you already had your skills as a speech therapist speech pathologist and then decided that um, you know you actually need to do further study yeah. Um, yeah, because I think we do come across, you know, speech pathologists or maybe psychologists or some other allied health um, workers who like to use music. Yeah. Um, but it's great that you took it that like one step further. Mm. Yeah. And I just didn't have enough of the creative skill to know how to use music and art or things like that in in my work. So I had bits of it, like singing Happy Birthday. Um, but yeah, a lot of. A lot of speech pathologist friends that I've spoken to say, yeah, it's a great thing to go and study because they know that music helps so much and with, with um, people with autism and stroke and a range of areas, but they don't, yeah, they don't, haven't learned the, the skills that, that um, music therapy can teach in really engaging. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a few of us that have either done like a allied health course and then come into music therapy. 
And I did an undergrad of psychology, but I knew that I didn't want to become a clinical psychologist. So um, yeah, I was looking around for master's courses and found this one um, because I was really interested in music psychology, but I don't think there's an actual course around that. Um, but I, I mean, I was more We have interested. a whole research unit of music psychologists at uni. Yeah, but it's more like research rather than like intervention yeah. based, isn't it? So that's what I was more um, interested in, like actual practical, you know, what, what do you do with it all? So yeah, that's sort of how I found out about it and then I met all of you. Yeah. So Alison, um, Dan, Dan. I was about to call you Daniel, but it's you can call me. Dan Either. Doesn't matter. <laughs> and Miranda. We were all in the same cohort at Melbourne, uh, but I was yeah. But I was studying the blended learning method, so I didn't have to relocate to Melbourne. But I got to see them every so often. Mm, it's a really good method of study. The blended. Yeah, the blended learning. It's opening doors for us in WA. Yeah. The biggest um, hurdle being so removed was that, you know, if you wanted to study, you had to relocate, yeah. but, um, so what used to happen was people would relocate and then they'll never come back <laughs> to WA. Yeah. So yeah, we've had apparently a few people just in the past actually go from WA to study and just haven't seen them again. So I just really hope that doesn't happen to me <laughs> because I am planning on moving here to Melbourne next year. It is happening. <laughs> yes, I know. It was sort of inevitable. But I will be returning back to WA. Don't worry, WA is. <laughs> Anyways, I think that might be a good spot to wrap it up. Thanks, guys. Um, if any of our listeners had any specific questions for all of you, where can they reach you? Work email or the uh, yeah. email should be found on the ANTA website. Mm, that's a yeah. really good place to go, actually, yeah. for all of us. Yeah. The, or the, the, discoverable the names, or did you do? Oh no, I haven't. Yeah. To find us on the website. Yep. Uh, Miranda Monagle. Uh, Daniel Tynan. <laughs> <laughs> you just looked. <laughs> you just looked. <laughs> you know, <laughs> 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 you just had to look down at his name tag. Yeah. It's been a big weekend. <laughs> yeah, it's been a big weekend. <laughs> I forgot who I am. I am feeling a bit scattered this morning. And so all of it around. Yeah. Alison Maplesen. Great. Thanks for chatting, guys. Let's enjoy the rest of the PDS day. Yeah, Bye.